What's the biggest threat to North America and Europe? The US says it's China, but the world's biggest military alliance gives a different answer. As Beijing rapidly expands its military, could the power balance in Asia shift towards China? That's as questions rise over whether Washington's aid to Ukraine will impact its commitment to Taiwan. We spoke with expert Greg Copley for his answers. A recent coal purchase is making headlines over an unusual payment method. The transaction is between an India-based company and a Russian coal supplier and is valued in the millions. Costco is recalling hundreds of thousands of solar umbrellas, all of them made in China. Reports say a malfunction can cause them to catch fire. And protests in central China's Henan province. It's over $6 billion in customer money stuck inside local banks. Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Don Ma sitting in for Tiffany today. Russia or China? Which country is the bigger threat to the free world? The U.S. says China, while NATO, the world's largest military alliance, points to Russia. But Beijing is still on NATO's radar. For the first time, the organization is labeling China as a fast-growing competitor rather than a trading partner, even though it still engages with the economic powerhouse. Let's dive in. With the months-long war happening on Ukrainian soil, NATO has formally labeled Russia as the most significant and direct threat to the Allies' security. That's according to a summit statement on Wednesday. It makes clear that Russia poses the most significant and direct threat to our security. NATO, short for the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, is an intergovernmental military alliance between 30 member states from North America and Europe, with the U.S. at its head. They recently agreed on NATO's first new strategic concept in a decade. That's its master planning document. Russia, previously classed as a strategic partner of NATO, is now identified as NATO's main threat. The planning document also cited China as a challenge for the first time. That sets the stage for the 30 allies to shift Beijing's classification from a benign trading partner to a fast-growing competitor in everything from the Arctic to cyberspace. But unlike Russia, NATO leaders said Beijing is not an adversary. China is uh, substantially building up its military forces, including nuclear weapons, bullying its neighbors and threatening Taiwan. Investing heavily in critical infrastructure, including in allied countries. Monitoring and controlling its uh, own citizens through advanced technology. And spreading uh, Russian lies and disinformation. China is not our adversary, but we must be clear-eyed about the serious challenges it represents. On Tuesday, NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg said the alliance needs to engage with China. We don't re regard China as an adversary, and, uh, and China, of course, is soon the biggest economy in the world. Um, we need to engage with China, for instance, on issues like, like climate change. It matters for the, the whole energy market. But NATO did voice concerns about Beijing's close ties to Moscow. But we are disappointed by the fact that China has not been able to condemn the Russian invasion of Ukraine, that China is spreading many of the false narratives uh, uh, about NATO, uh, uh, the West, and also that China and Russia are more close now than have ever been before. At least they stated very clearly, both China and Russia, that 
They were against any NATO enlargement, and that is the first time China so explicitly has, in a way, had a strong opinion directed against uh, NATO and NATO uh, um, uh, enlargement. NATO diplomats told Reuters that the United States and the United Kingdom want to use tough language, but France and Germany are more cautious. As the world's second largest economy, Beijing has attracted concern because of its apparent support of Moscow amid the Russia-Ukraine war. In addition, China's military ambition continues to grow in the South China Sea and the Taiwan Strait, threatening navigation freedom for ships and Taiwan's territorial integrity. U.S. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan said competition between the United States and China does not mean confrontation or conflict. A trilateral meeting between the U.S., Japan and South Korea leaders took place on Wednesday. It was the first time they met in nearly five years, and it happened on the sidelines of this week's NATO summit. U.S. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan released the news to reporters on Air Force One on their way to Madrid Tuesday. He said the trilateral summit would focus on the continued threat from North Korea. According to Seoul, the three-party presidential meeting raised security cooperation topics, mainly over Pyongyang's nuclear programs and intensive missile testing. And big news for international trade, India's biggest cement producer, Ultratech Cement, is importing a cargo shipment of Russian coal and paying it with Chinese yuan. That's according to an Indian customs document reviewed by Reuters. Traders say this rare payment method could become more common. The U.S. dollar is the world's primary reserve currency and the currency most often used for global trade. The customs document reveals Ultratech is bringing in over 170,000 tons of coal from Russian producer Suik. It cites an invoice dated June 5th with cargo valued at roughly $26 million. Anonymous trade sources familiar with the matter said that other companies have also placed orders for Russian coal using Chinese yuan. Comments say the move could help insulate Moscow from Western sanctions and chip away at the dominance of the U.S. dollar. Ultratech and Suik did not respond for a comment. At the same time, Russia's ruble hit its strongest level in seven years despite massive sanctions. Analysts attribute to the jump to strikingly high energy prices and other controls. Russia has the most gas reserves in the world and its oil reserves rank eighth globally. Costco is pulling hundreds of thousands of Chinese-made solar umbrellas from its shelves. Authorities say a malfunction can cause the items to catch fire. The U.S. Customer Product Safety Commission, or CPSC, says it received six reports of product malfunctions. A person even went to the hospital for smoke inhalation due to one of the incidents. These patio umbrellas were made in China. They were imported into the U.S. through California-based firm Sun Villa. The CPSC says the lithium-ion batteries in the umbrella's solar panels can overheat and cause a fire and pose a burn hazard. The agency is asking consumers to stop using the products and to remove the solar panel puck. Customers should also avoid charging them with the AC adapter. Since 2020, more than 400,000 of these umbrellas have been sold at Costco in the U.S. and Canada. Sun Villa and Costco are contacting all known buyers to offer full refunds. Thousands of Chinese depositors are fighting to recover their savings. Since April, at least four banks in the central province of Henan have suspended cash withdrawals. 
The incident involves a whopping $6 billion. Let's take a closer look. In recent days, some 100 people took to the streets to protest in China's Henan province. They gathered in front of the province's Bureau of Banking and Insurance Regulatory Commission, despite soaring temperatures of 104 degrees. The problem? Banks in the area aren't allowing customers to withdraw their own money. Now, the demonstrators are demanding their money back and a meeting with the head of the Banking and Insurance Regulatory Commission. One protest banner addressed the bank, saying, give me my life savings back. But protesters' efforts didn't have the intended effect. On Monday, some of them were forced into police buses and taken into custody. Some were also reportedly beaten by police, including female protesters. Inside China, public protests are generally not allowed. Demonstrators often face violence, arrest, imprisonment, or even worse. But the bank customers say they're not giving up. For many of them, the money they deposited into their accounts is virtually all they have. Some families have sick children and need the money to get surgery. Because they can't recover their money, some children already passed away. A lot of tragedies like this will happen. If we can't get our money back, we don't know how we'll survive. Chinese media reported that many of those affected had deposited money into banks through an online trading system. But that system is controlled by a company under fraud investigation. Amid all the uproar, some suspect Chinese authorities may have taken unconventional measures to stem protests. They say authorities changed people's COVID-19 health codes from green to red. The codes are part of China's contact tracing system. A green code means the user has a clean bill of health while a red code means the user either tested positive for the infection or came in close contact with someone who did. Anyone with a red code is mandated to stay at home. And now to the southern border of China. The border disputes not only involve India, but also a couple of other smaller countries. Residents of Kathmandu, the capital of Nepal, took to the streets in protest this week this comes after China illegally took over a so-called no-man's land along their shared borders. The protest was led by a group called the National Unity Campaign. Members demonstrated with signs outside the parliament building. They were demanding that Beijing stop encroaching on their border areas. According to protesters, China fenced and installed electric wires in the uninhabited area next to the northern Gorkha district. This is a violation of the mutual agreement between the two countries. Authorities have yet to comment on the fencing. Relations between Nepal and China have been heating up in recent years. China has become a major aid donor and a trading partner to its tiny neighbor, offering major investments in hospitals and other infrastructure. In the past, the Nepalese government has pledged not to allow any protests against China after receiving economic aid from Beijing. Is China's military power on track to surpass America's in Asia? Beijing's rapid military expansion is putting its neighbors on edge. For the first time ever, countries from the Indo-Pacific are joining a NATO meeting. But with the war raging in Ukraine, does Washington have enough energy to deal with China and Russia at the same time? Entities Juliet Song spoke with Greg Copley, president of the International Strategic Studies Association, for more. The largest military buildup in history. That's what the head of the U.S. Indo-Pacific Command is saying about China's military expansion. 
the Chinese Communist Party has been busy expanding its military presence, even though it already has the biggest navy in the world and the biggest air force in Asia. On top of boosting its nuclear arsenal, the regime continues to grow its control of the South China Sea by militarizing the islands. In the east, it has sent record numbers of fighter jets near Taiwan. And on a high-level meeting with defense chiefs from many countries, Beijing declared its resolve to take the island under control by force. If anyone dares to secede Taiwan from China, we will not hesitate to fight. We will fight at all costs, and we will fight to the very end. This is the only choice for China. In the south, Beijing is helping Cambodia to upgrade a military base, which could give Beijing a foothold in the Gulf of Thailand. Further south, China signed a deal with the Solomon Islands, and the agreement has put big powers in the west on edge. That's because they fear it could allow Beijing to have a military base near Australia. Chinese leader Xi Jinping wants his military to be as powerful as the U.S. is by 2027. And now, some worry that if Washington doesn't take action in time, China could take its seat as the dominant power in the Indo-Pacific region. Here's Greg Copley's take on the issue. He's the president of the International Strategic Studies Association. It's true that the U.S. has not invested as much as it should have in the Indo-Pacific or in new defense technologies generally over the past few decades. We saw a slight resurgence in defense spending under the Trump administration. Now we see it flattening out and we see the really dangerous and negative impacts of inflation on the purchasing power. The White House has requested over $800 billion for the 2023 defense budget, the largest ever. But with inflation, it's only a 1.5 percent increase from 2022. The Pentagon has said it needs a bare minimum of a 3 to 5 percent increase to maintain U.S. military's capability. And many in Congress have asked for a 5 to 7 percent increase, considering Russia's invasion and China's military modernization. Even though Washington's defense budget is falling behind, Copley notes there's a catch with China's military power. And coming up, a closer look at what some call the Achilles heel of Beijing's military power. At the same time, Washington is walking a fine line as some question whether its aid to Ukraine will affect its commitment to Taiwan. After the break, we hear from Greg Copley, the president of the International Strategic Studies Association. Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Don Ma. In our previous episode, we touched on how Beijing's military expansion is touching a nerve with Western countries. But an expert says there's a catch with the Chinese regime's military power. Let's hear more from Greg Copley, president of the International Strategic Studies Association. What we have to be aware of is that although the quality of the People's Republic of China's military programs and space programs is improving dramatically and is certainly world class, uh, it's based largely on, particularly on former Soviet technology for hypersonic weapons, for space programs and the like, uh, for its aero engines and even its fighter designs. He says even though the Chinese regime is building a modern defense force with ships and aircrafts. But it's using uh, 20th century uh, design and technology and in many respects 20th century strategic thinking. It's, its whole approach, for example, uh, to 
recreating the Japanese Greater Asia co-prosperity sphere by moving down through the South Pacific and looking at sea denial to its adversaries. Copley says the question is whether Beijing can match the West's new thinking. Uh, particularly with the new AUKUS uh, treaty, the Australia-United Kingdom-United States treaty, which is focusing on the creation of new technology, weapons uh, and thinking to, uh, so that they don't try to ha- catch up uh, with, the, with the PRC in terms of sheer numbers of ships and the like, but rather to eclipse the People's Liberation Army by dramatic new technologies which are being developed by the private sectors in, uh, as I say, Britain, Australia and the United States. Good afternoon, everyone. It is a real pleasure to welcome uh, Farmer Payne back to... That security deal generated a lot of buzz when it was announced. A new national security initiative. Beijing said the pact was extremely irresponsible. Under it, the three countries will deepen their cooperation in a wide range of defense technologies. Among the priorities are artificial intelligence, cyber capabilities and quantum computing. It also promised to get Australia nuclear-powered submarines. This partnership has never been stronger, it's never been more important. But some are concerned about whether there's enough time. Beijing is aiming to be on par with U.S. military by 2027. But Australia is unlikely to get any nuclear submarines until the late 2030s. The clock is ticking. And here's Copley's argument. There's never enough time to do things right. and. And all wars, when they eventually begin, are come-as-you-are wars. They, they don't ask whether you're ready. Wars tend to break out and you have to respond with whatever you have. And there's always going to be new technology available tomorrow or the next day. So you just have to keep developing as rapidly as possible and deploying as rapidly as possible. He says the threat of imminent conflict tends to speed up investment in new capabilities and points out that AUKUS is trying to make the most of its limited budget and manpower. So what we'll see, and we could see it within the next couple of years, is that, for example, even Australia could have long-range strategic strike weapons, hypersonic weapons, which could uh, deliver standoff Uh, punishment to the People's Republic of China or the PLA forces if they attempt to encroach further southward. Australia's former defense minister has said Australian warships would have long-range strike missiles by 2024. That's three years earlier than the expected timeline. This is about Australia being prepared and making sure that we can stare down any active bullying against our country. As for the current balance of power in the Indo-Pacific. In reality, the US and Australia and New Zealand particularly have um, an advantage in the South Pacific particularly and in the Indo-Pacific overall. However, the psychological war which is underway uh, gives the perception that the US and its allies are in confusion and and on the defensive, whereas Beijing is on the offensive and is moving solidly. Now, this is a, a very, this is a moving game of chess. One issue is still hanging in the air, though, the safety of Taiwan. The question is, will Beijing think that it has a limited time open to it, a window of opportunity open to it, where it must strike Taiwan, where it must expand dramatically into the South Pacific, or whether it has to wait until it has 
uh, overwhelming superiority, which it may never get. And how does the safety of Taiwan impact the U.S.? There's no question that Taiwan and the whole question of, of People's Republic of China expansion is the great security concern for the United States and for the West generally. The Russia-Ukraine conflict is a small affair in overall historical terms. It's a great tragedy, of course, in individual terms, but it is a distraction from what is strategically important. And it's the Indo-Pacific, it's the question of Taiwan's security, which is the key to control of the Central Pacific. 90% of the world's most advanced semiconductors are made in Taiwan. Without these tiny chips, our computers, iPhones, and fighter jets wouldn't be possible. The island also sits on a crucial location. It's on a line of defense stretching from Japan to Malaysia, which prevents Beijing from launching submarine-based missile attacks against the U.S. But major world events are competing for Washington's attention and resources. The Communist Party of China were virtually saved by the Russia-Ukraine war because it distracted uh, U.S. and Canadian and NATO uh, interests generally back into the Euro-Atlantic sphere. It took away vast amounts of defense capability from the Indo-Pacific and, and has allocated them to, uh, to, to uh, uh, Ukraine. Along the same line, Congress's aid to Ukraine has topped $54 billion. This is a fairly uh, substantial amount of diversion of, of military capability. Washington has told Taiwan that it might delay some major weapons deliveries to the island because it's focusing on arming Ukraine. Taiwan was expecting to get 250 Stinger missiles by 2026, but now there's a risk of delay. Meanwhile, the U.S. has sent over 1,400 Stinger missiles to Ukraine. Back to the money issue. With a limited defense budget, what can the U.S. do? Copley notes there's a new trend in the defense industry, where small firms are making certain weapons at a lower cost and a faster rate. He recommends that the Pentagon spend its money more effectively by moving away from traditional heavy manufacturers and embracing smaller, more diverse firms. Juliet Song, NTD News. And that's all for today's China in Focus. I'm Don Ma. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocus at ntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching. See you tomorrow. Presenting the heritage of traditional Chinese martial arts, promoting martial ethics, and reviving the true tradition. The 2022 NTD International Traditional Chinese Martial Arts Competition Preliminaries will be held in New York and Taiwan. On August 28th, the finals will be broadcast live online worldwide. Registration hotline 188-477-9228. For more information, please visit martialarts.ntdtv.com.